Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Football Roundup. In this episode, we'll be discussing this week in the Premier League, Saturday and Sunday, saw some brilliant games. But we'll start off with the Arsenal-West Ham game. And Arsenal fans, I think you just need to relax. Josh. Saka missing that penalty is going to bottle the title. But I honestly think that you can get a result at City in the, whenever you play them, like in two weeks. Look, the style of play that Arsenal are playing is Guardiola ball with a little attacking spin that Guardiola himself just doesn't have. That what makes, that's what makes this football so attractive. And I honestly think that if you play good football, hopefully some in the, the injuries that you have can be recovered. But if you play good football, I think you'll be able to get a result at City. In my opinion, you should go for a draw. Because if you go for a win, Erling Haaland will be able to exploit the gaps in your defence and score. In my opinion, you should play for the 0-0. 0-0, but, you know, go on the counter-attack, getting opportunity to score. I mean, at Man City, if you get chances at the Etihad, you've got to put them away. It cost, it cost Arsenal... At the Emirates, when Nketiah missed those two headers, he had three. And then uh, Man City came back and beat him 3-1. That kind of marking, that kind of defending cannot happen again at the Etihad because you just will get punished. It's one of those grounds where if you go there, you're thinking, right, no mistakes, get sorted, get started well, and we can control this game. We can push City back. I don't think going for a draw is correct because you end up being too defensive and Haaland will just score eventually, like he's a machine. Uh, but you don't want to concede stupid goals like you did at West Ham. And just make sure everybody's composed. And, uh, yeah. Secondly, secondly for Arsenal, I'd say don't worry now because you've overachieved what everybody would have thought you to get fifth or fourth this season. You're in a title race. And Mikel Arteta, you've done an imp- incredible job with the team that you have to go into a title race. So if you, even if you lose the title, which is looking a bit likely now, I would say keep your heads up high because you've done an incredible job this season. You've overexceeded all expectations and you've played a type of football that people want to watch. Right, now moving on to Saturday's late kickoff, Man City versus Leicester. Leicester, you are done. I'm sorry, but you've got no fight in you. This Leicester squad, an ageing squad, which in my opinion, doesn't have much talent. It's just not good enough. If you somehow stay up, you need to have a massive rebuild. And I know that you have you have problems with the ownership. I've heard that the um, owner's net worth has gone down drastically, but you still need to be signing a whole lot of players. This squad that Leicester have is awful. It's absolutely awful. Now, I'm genuinely going to be astounded if you stay up because this Leicester squad has no fight. It is hopeless. I'm actually going to be so surprised if you stay up. But, you know, anything can happen, especially in this relegation battle. It's proven to be exciting. There's so many teams in it and it's so tight. So I think you'll be looking at the other team's results on the final day. But I hope that you stay up. Anyway, moving on to Man City. You know, good Man's, day at the office for, for, for them against Leicester. But, you know, it's unusual for them 
um, chasing down the title in the title race. The past few seasons, they've been the what they've been the ones um, setting the pace. But I think, you know, you're probably going to win the title, Man City. But of course, for Shields and Man City fans, so let's hear his opinions. Look, I think during that period where we lost at Tottenham, we just weren't playing well. Every time I turned on the TV to watch them, I was like, fuck me, man. We're not going to win this game. But I think Pep's found a good back four, a solid back four, with four really good players. Stones into midfield is a revelation. It's a 4v3 always in midfield. Unless your winger wants to drop back and make it 4v4, leaving Grealish or Morris 1v1, which is always dangerous. Now you've got a striker who's integrated into the system, who's getting loads of service, and Erling Haaland will put the balls away if he gets them around the six-yard box. I think now we're playing well. It's, it's going good for us, but we have to lose focus because it's a massive game in the Champions League on Wednesday. We've then got an FA Cup semi-final against Sheffield United, who are second in the Championship, so we must watch out for them. And then we've got a big game against Arsenal at the Etihad. So this is going to be a tiring few 10 days, but we need to keep our heads up high, plenty of rotating, plenty of rest. And I think what helped is we put the game to bed in the first 25 minutes. And that allowed Pep to make subs. That took off Stones, Haaland, important players such as those. And give the other players game time because they'll be playing a lot in the next couple, next 10 days. Um, yeah, so Man City were brilliant. Arsenal fumbled a bit, but they're still in it. And the title race is going to be absolutely incredible as we get to the end of the season. Now, moving on to Chelsea v Brighton. Chelsea fans... What is going on at Stamford Bridge? You have so many good players, but there's just nothing coming out of it. Theoretically, on paper, this squad should be cruising to the title. You have a team of the year squad with Enzo Fernandez, Jao Felix, so many other players who, you know, new and old players... It's such a good squad, but I'm sorry, but what is going on? Is it Lampard? Is it Burley? Is it the players themselves? Is it the weather? Who knows? But something has to change. In my, and, you know, Frank Lampard losing his first three games doesn't help. The whole feel-good factor around his appointment is gone. There's nothing left. Something has to change at Stamford Bridge, whether it be managers New players coming in, or too early to tell, but could be new owners. In my opinion, Bowley does not know what he's doing. He's like a kid in, the, in a candy shop, you know, signing all these players. But um, having such an inflated squad just does not bode well with the morale in the team. So much competition for places, and as a QPR fan... This is, this is like experience for me because in the past we've had such massively bloated squads. You know, 2014-15, the season we came last in the Premier League. We haven't been in the Premier League since. We spent so much money on overhyped, not great players. You know, Sean Wright Phillips, players like that. Jason Park, Rio Ferdinand, all players who were not very good for us. But, of course, it's about Chelsea and... I can see some of these players at Chelsea being massive flops. 
But of course, Brighton are a very good side, especially this season with players like Julian Enciso, Alexis McAllister, Evan Ferguson to an extent. All these players, they're so, so good. And the quality of the squad itself is not great. On paper, they're mid-table, lower mid-table, but it's the, it's the feeling in the camp and it's just, it's the emotions in the camp that is what affects these players. There's, it's like a bond in, the, in that Brighton squad. They're, they're overachieving so much this season. Do you really think anyone expected Brighton, little old Brighton from the South Coast, to be in the to possibly finish in the Europa League? No, everyone expected them to finish mid table. Brighton is what a well run club looks like. That is just the facts. Michelle. I mean, let me just start about Chelsea and uh, Graham Potter. Graham Potter's sacking, I think, is a terrible decision in the middle of a season. When Graham Potter was around, Chelsea were 10th or 9th. And I know Conference League sounds shite, but they were chasing some type of European football. Now you've appointed Frank Lampard, who is a Chelsea legend, but he is a terrible manager. He has no clue what he's doing. He doesn't understand the players. His tactics are awful. And then Chelsea haven't scored a goal in about two months, even though he's only been there for, I don't know, like, I don't know three games. But it's, I think it comes down to him. Brighton and Chelsea are incredibly extreme opposites in terms of the way that they're run. Brighton, let's start with Chelsea. Ch- actually, Chelsea are run by an American man who only knows what a Big Mac is. He doesn't know what anything else, anything else about anything. He doesn't know a thing about soccer, so he doesn't know how to run a football club. He just sees the good players out on Twitter and he goes and buys them. That is, you can't run a football club buying £650 million of players who are just half of them sitting on the bench every single week. I mean, Mudrick only just started playing. He's been sat on the bench for about, ever since he joined, like three months. But Brighton have a brilliant network of scouts who are going to South America, to other places, and finding these incredible little players. Like, Brighton, Brighton got Julio and Ciso out of absolutely nowhere in Paraguay, and look what he's just been doing. He's been incredible against Chelsea. They had Cucurella, who they sold to Chelsea, who was incredible for them. They now bought Esther Pinyan from, uh, where is it, Villarreal. They bought Esther Pinyan from Villarreal. For, I don't know, probably about 15 million, I think it was. And he's been incredibly good. Their keeper, Robert, Robert Sanchez, I don't know where they got him from, but he's really good. Solly March is one of their own. Matoma, who's arguably been one of the best players in the Premier League this season. He, they just The scouts found him. Incredible scouting. And I think Brighton are just an example to every football club to how to run a sustainable and well-marketed football team. Now, people want to go to Brighton because they're in fifth place. They're going for Champions League football. And now young players, such as, I don't know, young players who are coming up, want to go and play in England and want to play Champions League. Brighton's your club to go to if you want to get game time. Josh. Staying with Brighton, I recently heard a rumour that a Brighton scout was at... Celtic Park the other day at the Old Firm, trying to scout Kyogo. Now, in my opinion, Kyogo 
will be a brilliant addition to their squad. If you look how well Kyogo is doing at Celtic, and I actually follow Celtic quite a bit, so I I really understand how good he is. Kyogo is arguably one of the best players in that division. Now, that division is arguably dominated by two teams, and really it's only Celtic, but he's such a good player, Kyogo, and in my opinion, he, he'd link up very well with Matoma because, you know, both Japanese, but yeah, I think Brighton is the team to be right now. Anyway, on to the Southampton v Palace game. Roy Hogson is just working his magic there. He's doing so well. Did, I, did anyone really expect this 75-year-old pensioner to do well at a club which he was sacked at? No. I mean, Crystal Palace are the quintessential mid-table Premier League side. But he, Roy Hogson is utilising these players that were underused by Patrick Vieira. In my opinion, Eberé Ezi should be playing for England. This guy was so underutilised by Patrick Vieira. He was benched most of the time. But he's working his wonders there with Eberé Eze. And as a QPR fan, I understand this because he used to play for us. And in living memory... He's probably the best player that QPR have ever had. And I was very, very disappointed when he went to Crystal Palace. But that's probably his level, you know, championship. It's just not good enough for a player of this high calibre. And yeah, I think that he should be playing for England alongside a lot of the other players that um, that's, that Southgate just don't... Southgate and his team just don't look at these players. You know, Ollie Watkins... Um, Ivan Tony, although he's been selected. There's so many other players that are just way better than the team that Southgate usually selects. You know, Southgate likes his favourites. But anyway, Rochelle, what do you think about Crystal Palace and Southampton? I think Roy Hogson's come in and done an absolutely incredible job with the players that he has. He's got some incredible talent at Elise and Eze. And um, if you just look here... Um, Eze scored two goals. The first was right place, right time. The second was pure beauty. You know, spins a defender, then just slides one into the bottom corner. Like, it's satisfying to watch and it's absolutely brilliant. So Roy Hawkson, I'm just reading this stat, has won all of his games, a 100% win record, conceded two goals in three games and has scored... He scored nine goals in three games. Now, for a team like Crystal Palace, who weren't scoring goals at all in the last... I don't know, three or four months. It's an incredible turnaround to make them score so many goals. I think he's done an absolutely excellent job. Moving on now to one of the, I don't know, not shock, but one of the best games, I think, of the weekend. Tottenham versus Bournemouth. So, at the Vitality Stadium, Tottenham came down uh, and they won in injury time. Well, deja vu, Bournemouth won at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in injury time. And I think, you know... Spurs were absolutely appalling. From the minute he scored the goal to the Dan Juma goal, that is 74 minutes. I watched the highlights and I couldn't see anything of them, anything about them in that game. But Dan Juma goal was great. The Sun goal was good. But I think Bournemouth were overall the better side. And I think it just reflects where Spurs are right now as a team. 
they don't want to play. I mean, some of the passing that they had from their centre-backs was appalling. Like, it was terrible. They don't want to play for their badge. Stellini is an absolute egg. I don't know what he's doing at that club right now. I don't really understand what, what he's out to do. Conte has done a alright job at Tottenham, but the style of football he was playing was boring. For Stellini, it's a chance to make your name in football. You can get an actual managerial job if you play some nice football. And you've gone and wasted the job by playing this same old Spurs Conte ball, which is just sit back, wait for a chance. Bournemouth, on the other hand, under Gary O'Neill, in these last two or three months, have been absolutely incredible. They've been working their socks off 110% every game. And they deserve the five wins in eight or nine, that's one of the two, that they have. Because they've been incredible. And along the way, they've beaten Spurs at home, which isn't easy, mind you. They've beaten Liverpool at home. So that's two big six teams they've beaten. That's not easy for a team like Bournemouth to do. Their, their story this season has been incredible. They were in about 19, uh, I think, before Christmas on the World Cup break. And now... They look like they're going to be safe with relegation after this brilliant run of form. And I think Gary O'Neill is an absolutely incredible manager. He has just come out of nowhere, really. As an interim, he was good. And then he got the job and you were th- and he had, they had a really bad run of form and you were thinking, oh, there they go. They're going down now. And he suddenly just revived his team out of nowhere. And they're not going down, I don't think, anymore. Josh is coming. Just give us a second. I think the... Staying with Bournemouth for a minute, I think their story this season has been absolutely amazing. Having Scott Parker at the start, you know, taking them up from the from the championship is no easy task, especially for a rookie manager like Scott Parker. But, of course, after that 9-0 defeat, I don't really think he deserves to get sacked. But, I mean, 9-0, that is just appalling. But, you know, Gary O'Neill came in and everyone thought he was going to get relegated. But... Now they're doing absolutely brilliant Bournemouth. And I don't personally think they have a Premier League level squad, like Rochelle said. But they are working so hard. Their work rate and their passion is amazing. Probably one of the best in the league. Anyway, moving on to Aston Villa v Newcastle. Unai Emery is cooking. My guy. He's doing absolutely brilliant at Aston Villa. Again, mid-table Premier League side, challenging for Europe. Even two or three months ago, who would have predicted this amazing rise of Aston Villa? And beating Newcastle, no easy task. I mean, they're a little bit finished, Newcastle. But, again, it's no easy task to beat them. 3-0 as well. Not even conceding. 3-0. That's absolutely pattering. One of the best teams in this division. And Newcastle, mind you, have, what, probably near infinite money in the bank. And they're probably one of the biggest projects in world football. And Aston Villa are not great overall. Like, their squad, again, is probably mid-table level, but... Unai Emery on the training pitch is making these players work 110% to commit. And, you know, Ollie Watkins and Tyrone Mings, these players are absolutely brilliant. Ollie Watkins was on fire. What was it? 11 goals in 12 games or something. That is ridiculous. 
That's probably the most informed striker in the league at the moment. Apart from Haaland, of course. But, you know, Aston Villa are going to do absolutely amazing. And I predict Aston Villa are going to have the most fairy tale story of the year. I think they're going to finish fifth. But moving on to Newcastle now. What can I say? This Newcastle side is overachieving, definitely. But you cannot be losing 3 0 to, albeit a very informed Aston Villa. But Newcastle themselves are in pretty good form and one of the more difficult sides in the division to beat. But I still think you should be beating um, Aston Villa. You know, it's not a great result. Anyway, going to move on to Everton v Fulham. I personally didn't watch this, but I think Everton are a little bit in the mud. So, here's Rochelle. Well, I saw the game on match of the day, really. I don't really watch these type of games because I just find them quite boring. But I think when Everton got back in it at 1-1, I thought, Goodison Park, they're on their feet. Can Everton go and do something here against Fulham? We've lost five in a row. But they're making sloppy errors at the back, just like Arsenal. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing Everton and Arsenal. Arsenal are much better. But they're making sloppy errors at the back and giving away way too many chances, which I think just can not happen at this level. You can't give away these type of chances. Simple stuff. Like when your man is there, you mark him, you get across him. When there's someone free in the box, you go and close him down. You don't just stand there like a buffoon waiting to be hit. You go and close him down. This is just awful. And their attacking play looks completely out of bounds. I thought when Sean Dyche came in, they'd do a good job. But it's like most managers. It's that, it's that manager boost, you know, new manager bounce. They beat Arsenal 1-0. They get some results at home, and I think they get some results at home now, however, and I think they're still in it. And I think that just reflects how incredible this Premier League relegation battle is. We can all focus on the title race for this whole podcast, but the Premier League relegation battle has, in my opinion, been incredible. One of the best, if not the best, I've ever seen. And um, yeah, there's nothing really more to say about that game. Uh, the final game I think we haven't done yet is United versus Nottingham Forest. Um, United were good, and there was a tired performance, really. It was 2-0. They should have scored more, but, I mean, there was a bit of a tired performance, and they got the win eventually, which is what they wanted. But, look, I mean, United, are, they drew to Sevilla 2-0, and they um, they lost their two best defenders because of injury. I mean, I'm a Siege fan and I despise of United, but they're doing a pretty good... They're doing an incredible job this season. And Ten Hag has got to be up there for manager of the season. Contenders. They did well. Anthony showed what he really is about yesterday. He was really, really good. Like, you could see him. He was full of confidence, taking on defenders, without doing that stupid skill of his, or any stupid skill. Using pace, using power, running past defenders, playing through balls, setting up people... Causing a menace. Anthony was incredible yesterday. And United as a whole, I think, did a great job. They've now got to go to, however, to Sevilla, which is never an easy place to go to. And then to Wembley to play Brighton, one of the most informed teams in Europe right now. And I think this is going to be a make or break week for United. If they can win both of those games, which I don't think will happen. They'll be in two, three competitions still. Not the Premier League, but two competitions which they can win easily, both of them. If I think they'll lose Sevilla, but... I think they'll lose Brighton, but they'll beat Sevilla. So, I think Europa League is a good opportunity for Brighton this season. 
and um, yeah, not for Brighton this season and for United this season. Moving on to the championship, there are a lot of games in the championship, but we have a QPR fan here, and I do want to discuss QPR zero Coventry three. Josh, what can I say? You know this QPR side were top of the league in October. I remember the day we went top of the league. That day, we battered Cardiff 3-0 at home. And that was the day which the decline started. That was the day that Mick Beale was rumoured to go to Wolves. Now, of course, he didn't go to Wolves in the end. But, you know, now you all know that it was Scottish Giants, Glasgow Rangers, that tempted him to leave the club. Now... QPR fans have been calling this the Beal effect because it seems like as soon as he rejected that Wolves job and, to a lesser extent, left the club, things started to go downhill. Now, people don't know that we were losing games when Beal was here. The last five games that Beal was here, we picked up, I think, three points. We drew Norwich away, but I think that was the only thing that we really got that was of, you know, note. But... We are probably the worst team in the country at this rate. You know, we've picked up eight points since the start of the calendar year. And you cannot be picking up eight points since the start of the calendar year. And albeit we've had a lot of injuries. At our peak of the injuries, we had nine players out. But so many poor results. You know, Wigan away, we lost 1-0. And that is just so poor. You cannot be losing to bottom of the table, Wigan. 1-0, but I think these players, they, they just have no desire. Um, I watched an interview with the manager, Gareth Ainsworth, who is a club legend, by the way. Scored quite a lot of goals for us um, in the late 90s and early 2000s, but he said that the players were very fragile, and I think that it's good to be calling out the players, but the mistake that our previous manager, after Michael Beale, um, Neil Critchley, his mistake was he called out individual players. He said that certain players just weren't putting their hand up to play. And he alluded to the fact that it was possible that injured players were maybe faking their injuries and didn't want to play because That's our squad terrible. was a l very weakened by the injury situation. Of course, any club would be with nine out of their starting 11 players being injured, but I think we are the easiest side in the division to beat. And there's just no situation, in my opinion, which we stay up. And in the in recent times, um, we've picked up three, we've picked up three, no, four points in the whole of Gareth Ainsworth's time at the club, which is 10 games. Four points in ten games. That is absolutely terrible. And we've only scored, what is it, three. We've scored three goals in ten games. That is terrible. You cannot be scoring three or four goals. It might be four. I don't even know at this point. You can't be scoring that little goals in ten games. You know, our defence is shambolic, but... I think, really, it's our attack that's the problem. Players outside the season, that like Elias Jair and Chris Willock, 
Chris Willock, we thought, was going to lead us to the title. But he's been terrible in recent weeks. At the start of the season, he scored an absolute worldie um, against Hull. He scored a worldie against, um, what was it? Middlesbrough. He ran in from his own half and scored from outside the box. But to yesterday's game against Coventry really just put the nail on the coffin. But, um, you know, he gave the ball away for, I think it might be their third goal. And it ended up in a 4v2 on the Coventry counter-attack. And it's honestly painful to watch. Do you think QPR could stay up? Do I think QPR will stay up? As a football fan, I'm usually quite optimistic. But, you know, it's it's tough to predict these things. There's so many teams in the championship relegation battle at the moment. It's really entertaining, but as a QPR fan, a team that should not be in this relegation battle, but are, I, I think these players just have no hope. And I think that we really need to pick up two, maybe even three wins in the last four games. Four or five games at the end of the season. But our running is very tough. Um, got Burnley away. We're going to pick up no points there. Norwich at home um, on Wednesday. That's going to be tough. And then Stoke away. And what's the last game? Bristol City at home. You know, Bristol City have one of the most talented players in this, this division. Alex Scott. Um, you know, I think he's going to be playing in the Premier League next season, so watch out for him. But, you know, Burnley speaks for itself. Um, Norwich will be tough, but I really think we can pick up a point um, at home to Norwich. I think we should play for the nil-nil there, but um, Stoke away also probably should pick up a point. Because, you know, second last game of the season, they're going to be on the beach. They have nothing to play for, but... I think these players really need to start showing some, showing some fight towards the dying embers of the season. But I, I really do hope we stay up. But I, I really do not think that we will at the moment. And to conclude the podcast, I'd like to talk about you know. Uh, I'd like to talk about the uh, the sacking of managers this season. I think it's been absolutely awful how many managers are getting sacked i mean the football world these days is so impatient you expect managers to come in and you expect managers to come in and just play wonders and i don't understand how that's supposed to work really because i generally think managers should be given time when they go into a new job because they're entering a new club a new manager let's say will want to have be given time he want to be given time to settle into a team he wants to be able to be given time to settle into a team, to make them win. Do you think a manager wants to do bad for a team? No, he doesn't. But people blame it on the manager because it's the easiest person to do. We've seen players in these last few months blaming stuff on blaming stuff on managers. I think that's completely unacceptable. That can't happen. That is, cannot happen. That is awful. That will never, ever happen. And that's, the manager is always in control of the players. And I think that's how it should remain. This has been an awful season in terms of manager sackings. It's 14 now. And I think that has to stop next season. And we need to start being more patient. Thank you, Josh.
So, staying with that. Okay. Um, I, I also think that in the championship, it is absolutely mad. Yeah. 15 managers yeah. have been sacked. In the Premier League, it's only been 12. Okay. But 15 in the championship is absolutely mad. And these players should still retain control of the club. Um, you know, these players start, should start taking responsibility. But, you know, I, I really don't think that a lot of these problems at the clubs okay. are the managers. But, yeah, unfortunately, we've run out of time for the podcast. So, hope you, you guys like this uh, pilot episode. So, peace out, lads.